0: This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. If you hadn't already figured it out, Pastor Gene is not here. He is out of town this morning, so you have me. And... um oh, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. You know, every time he asks me to speak, I take it with great honor and great um, caution because I know that when I stand in this pulpit that I have to speak the word of God and that I cannot let Regina get into it and I take that very seriously that's very important how we present God's word Here at Church Alive, you know that we take teaching God's Word very seriously. We are going to bring you a balanced, uncompromised Word. And we strive, everyone that fills this pulpit strives to do that. Today's message, title of today's message is, What Do You Believe? We're going to have a lot of questions today. So get ready, you're going to hear lots of questions And we're going to start by asking a question. Have you ever just taken time to consider what you believe? Have you ever just really thought about that? Because it's important what we believe. Well, I think it's important, but you, I don't know. Do you think that? Does it even matter what you believe? Do do our beliefs affect the way that we think, the way that we act, the words that we say? Is this even important? Well, I consult God's Word when it comes to questions like this. So we're going to start by looking at God's Word today. And we're going to start with Proverbs 23.7, which says that as a man thinketh, so is he. This scripture tells me that what I believe, it will have an effect on me. It will impact my life. And so that's that's important. Specifically, my thoughts have an impact on the person that I will become. And if you believe God's word on the person that you will become. So since our thoughts and our beliefs are so powerful... I thought it would be good this morning. Actually, the Lord told me this was what I was going to (laughs) do. Not that I just thought it was a great idea. He wanted me to guide you in an examination of what you believe. Because it's important. It's important. So we're going to take a look at our worldview this morning. And you may not even know what a worldview is. Well, guess what? My training is teaching, and so we're going to do a little teaching this morning. So this morning, let's look at what a worldview is, all right? Now, a worldview, every person, whether they realize it or not, every person has a worldview. They do. And all that a worldview is, is a set of beliefs about themselves and the world around them, And whether they're aware of it or not, they have this framework of beliefs. Basically, put simply, it's a filter through which you see the world. That's all that a worldview is. And so it's a framework from which we view reality. And this is how we make sense of life and the world around us. The worldview that you hold will affect your thoughts and actions. And your worldview will do things like guide you to the answers of the big questions of life. You know, there's all these big questions out there floating around. Everyone wants to know the answer. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Your worldview and how you view the world will tell you the answer to these questions. So it sounds to me like our worldview is pretty important. So that's why... I feel like the Lord told us we need to examine this this morning. What is our worldview? Now, I told you earlier that we were going to have a lot of questions today. So get ready. Here's a bunch of them coming your way. (laughs) So you can answer these out loud or you can consider them rhetorical questions, however you want. But these are some questions that we need to consider. Do absolute moral truths exist. Does the Bible define absolute truth? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all powerful and all knowing creator of this universe who still rules today? Let's go to the next one. Is Satan real? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? These are all very important questions that we need to consider. And if you answered yes... To these questions, then you likely hold a biblical worldview. Now, we're going to get a little deeper into what a biblical worldview is. A biblical worldview is based on the Word of God, the infallible Word of God. Now, infallible is not a word that we use too, too often. So I'm going to break this down. Infallible simply means there is no error. None. No error. It's incapable of being wrong. So our biblical worldview, it is based on the Word of God, which has no error. And if you look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16... It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If you look at this same scripture in the Amplified, Pastor Gene sometimes, he, he teases me because I really like the Amplified, it it has a lot more wording, and he's like, wow, some of these scriptures are really long, but I like it because it, it just gives me greater understanding in some of these scriptures. So in Amplified, it says, every scripture is God-breathed, given by His inspiration. I love that. Given by His inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline, in obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. God's word. Wow. It's, it's infallible. It is infallible. There's no error in it. And so it's important, those questions, all those questions that I asked you, It's important that we know the answer to those questions, but beyond just knowing the answer to those questions, let's take it a step further. How do the answers to those questions impact your day-to-day life? How do the answers to those questions impact your walk, your talk? Because you see, just going back to a few of those questions, if we really believe that God is all-powerful and he's the creator of the universe and he's in control then then why why am i walking around in fear and anxiety see it it, it connects to our life um what about this if we really believe that gift uh, i'm sorry that salvation is a gift from god that cannot be earned then why do i have guilt and condemnation because somehow i didn't check all the things off the list that I thought I had to do this week and somehow I've made God mad at me and I'm trying to just be a good person. So you see, it, it has an effect on your life. These questions, the way you answer them, they have an effect on your life and on your walk. So the biblical worldview, like I said, it is based on the infallible word of God. And we, as believers, if we are going to hold true to the name Christian, if we're going to call ourselves... You know, Christian just means you're a follower of Christ. So if I'm going to say I'm a follower of Christ, I need to not only know the teachings of Jesus, but I need to live by the teachings of Jesus. I don't need to just read my Bible as some intellectual exercise but I need to allow God's word to affect me. It's living. It's breathing. It was inspired by God to affect me. It's anointed. I need to do as Romans 12 2 says and be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's important. You see, sometimes, here's what happens. Sometimes we have the Bible around us. You have it on your bedside table. You have it on your coffee table. You might even have it in your home, on pictures, things like that. It's around us. And, and y'all, I'm not pointing fingers at you because I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. I have had the Bible around me. But yet, I did not always have the Bible in me and allow it to come out of me. And what we have to do as followers of Christ is we don't just have the Bible around us, but we have the Bible in us and we let it come out of us. As a follower of Christ, that's what I need to do. Because you see, I can talk a good talk. You can talk a good talk. But does our talk line up with our walk? Are the decisions and the actions that we make, are they revealing where we truly put our trust? Yes, they do. The way that you act, the way the choices that you make, it's going to reveal what you truly believe. So we need to line up with what this word says. You know, are we allowing the Bible? We said earlier in 2 Timothy 3.16 that this Bible will convict of sin. It will correct us. It will discipline us. Even as believers, even after you have uh, gotten things right with you and Jesus you know, he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He's constantly wanting to knock off things, you know, get us, get us smooth, smooth out the rough edges. That's part of being transformed. That's part of the renewing of our minds. It's a process. He wants to make us look more like him. This word will bring conviction. And all that is, is knowledge of our wrongdoing. He wants to let us know where we're in error so he can help us because he wants us to experience his freedom, the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give. That's his love. He gives us this word because he loves us. And so if you you have a choice, we always have a choice. We're free will human beings. God created us that way. So your choice is is that you can accept this word or you can reject it. Totally your choice. But I need you to know this simple fact. If you choose to reject God's word, then you are rejecting God himself. You are saying, no thank you God. that's pretty dangerous because John chapter one, verse one, it says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and come on, you know it. And the word was God. You cannot separate God and his word. You cannot. John 14, six says that he is the way, the truth and the life. Now there's a couple of things I want us to look at in this scripture. He is, he is, present tense for all you English people. He is, not he was, he is. He died, but y'all, he rose again. He lives forevermore. He never stopped being, he is alive and he rules and he reigns so he is the way the truth and the life and he is not a way let's get that part right he is specific article the not a the the way the truth and the life you know what that tells me when i see the there is no other There is no other way. There is no other truth. Now that's contrary to what Satan would have us believe. Because he would want us to believe that our truth is whatever we think. Whatever we feel. Whatever the culture says is how we should think or believe at this given moment in time. That's not what I see in God's Word. And I am going to sit with God's Word. So if we truly believe that the Bible is the, capital T, truth. Then I need to allow it to become the foundation for everything that I say and do. That's That's important. And the Bible, guys, it warns us. Over and over and over again. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. What does John 10.10 10 say are the three things that Satan wants to do? Come on, y'all know it. Steal, kill, and destroy. Do you know how he does that? Deception deception. That's how he does it. He deceives. You see, Satan is always trying to twist God's word. All right. He knows God's word and he's going to twist it. That's right. what he does. He did it from the very beginning. If you look back in the book of Genesis, let's take a look at it now. The book of Genesis, starting in chapter three. You will not surely certainly die the serpent said to the woman for God knows that when you eat from your uh, I'm sorry when you eat it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil lies lies and more lies Amen. That's what he does My father-in-law, Pastor Gene Senior, used to say, if the devil's mouth is moving, he's lying. It's true. He's a deceiver. He's the father of all lies. So you see what happened back there in the book of Genesis is that Satan introduced an alternate worldview to Eve. That's what he did. He approached her in the garden. He enticed her to doubt her beliefs about God. God had already told her the truth. But yet, she questioned it. And she believed the lie. She was deceived. And guys, Satan is still doing this today. He is still... He doesn't have anything new to come up with. He's just doing the same stuff over and over in different ways. So we need to be aware of this because we have got to guard against other worldviews. Because if we're not careful and I need to make sure I didn't okay, I'm sorry. We need to guard against other worldviews that dilute the truth. Okay, you know what dilute means, right? All right, water it down. And other world views will dilute the truth. If you're not aware of the deception. And I want you to be aware of the deception. So here's what Satan will try to do, just like he did with Eve in the garden. Parts might be correct, but it's not the full truth. It's twisted. It's twisted. It's not the full gospel. There is no other gospel. This is the gospel, the way, the truth, the life. So remember that Satan's tactics are subtle. They're subtle. And therefore, we have got to be vigilant. Vigilant. I'm sorry. Vigilant. Let me get my words out right. Vigilant to seek the truth. We have got to be vigilant to seek the truth. And to stand firm on it. Not just know it, but we've got to stand firm on what the truth is. So how are we going to stand for truth if we don't know the truth? So Barna Research Group, which is a Christian group that specifically focuses on trends in ministry, Along with the American Bible Society, they collected all this data about how the U.S. population interacts um, and engages with the Bible. And in their 2021 State of the Bible report, here's what they found. Only one in six U.S. adults reads the Bible, not every day, but most days of the week. That's appalling to me. The United States. That's appalling. And so again, I ask you that question. How can we stand for truth when we don't know the truth? We've got to know the truth. We've got to know the truth. So here's what I think. I think we need to be be more like the Bereans. Now, The Bereans were a group of people that Paul and Silas ministered to on their second missionary journey. And the Bible talks about this in Acts 17 and 11. And it says that this group of people was noted because they received the word with eagerness. And that's good. It's good when we receive the word with eagerness. But this is what I want us to focus on. They searched the scriptures Daily, to see if what Paul said was true. I've already said that in this pulpit, we're going to teach the word. But I challenge you, anything that we say, check it out. Check it out. And if we're in error, you bring it to our attention because we want to get it right. This is life and death here. This is serious business. We can't afford to get it wrong. We're in a battle. Check everything with God's word. So it's important for us as adults to know God's word. But what about our kids? What about our teenagers? What about our young adults? Do they need to know it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to teach our kids, our teenagers, our young adults to love and value God's word. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but this happened uh, several years ago, where it actually happened to me multiple times, where I had misplaced my Bible, and not getting into all the specifics, but it's it's kind of a neat story. And I was just frantic because I couldn't find my Bible. And the Holy Spirit nailed me right between the eyes. And He said, why does it matter? You're not reading it and applying it anyway. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Well, let me tell you, through a miracle, I got the Bible back. And I have never turned back from reading this word and I have asked God let me crave your word like food do you feed yourself every day you need to feed yourself spiritually every day don't just eat to feed your human physical self, eat to feed your spirit man It's important, or you will dry up. You will. So, anyway, that wasn't in my notes, but the Lord said do it. So, talking about our kids, teenagers, our young adults, we need to make sure that we teach them to love and to value God's Word. In our home, what we try to do is we try to create an atmosphere where the kids are constantly going to encounter... Sorry. Where the kids are going to constantly encounter God and his word. Yes, we have a special time where we look at God's word. And that's important. But what we also try to do is we try to bring it out in our daily life. Okay? And Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says this. Starting at verse 5. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like it's all around us. Whenever you're going through something, Help your children see how you're applying God's Word in that situation. If you have a questionable situation at work or with a a family member or a colleague, and you've got to try to figure out the ethic or moral right thing to do, go to God's Word. Share with them how you are making a godly decision based on this Word. And instruct them on how to do the same. You see, this Bible is going to help them if we teach them not only how to read it, but how to apply it. We've got to teach them how to apply it as well. Instruct them. We want, in our family, and I think many of you feel the same way, but we want our kids to have an unwavering faith. We want our kids to have an unwavering faith that stands against the waves of culture's non-biblical ideas. If, if y'all haven't noticed lately, and I don't think you have to look very far, there's a lot of non-biblical ideas out there. And let me tell you, we've got to be as bold as a lion. We have got to speak this word. We have got to share the truth with our kids and with others. Because our kids right now, and we as grown-ups, we're being encountered with things like same-sex marriage, gender identity confusion, abortion. We've got to stand for what this word says about those things. And at an age-appropriate level, we've got to instruct our kids about those topics and others that they're facing. This is not a time to cower down. This is not a time to back up. God is on our side. He doesn't fail His word is true. The only way we're going to make it to the end is to stand on this word. Do not cower in fear. Do not. Because here is... I I read this quote, y'all, this week, and I can't shake it. If we don't teach our children to follow Christ... The world will teach them not to. You've got to teach them. It's no one else's responsibility to teach your child about Christ but you. Here at Church Alive, of course, we're going to reinforce those things. But it needs to come from you. If you're a parent... It needs to come from you. If you're a grandparent, it needs to come from you. Aunts, uncles, anybody with circles of influence with kids, feed them the word. Show them who God is. They need it. They're going to need it. We're all going to need it to stand in this day and in this hour. So if we are not vigilant to seek the truth, our beliefs can be diluted by constantly the constantly changing culture. So I want you to imagine for just a moment that you hold in your hand the most perfect apple. It's wonderful. You're going to bite into this thing. You're salivating because you're ready to just eat this awesome, sweet, juicy apple. And then you go to bite into it, and you get the taste of a lemon. Not what you were expecting. Kind of turns you off a little bit. Well, that is the example that the Holy Spirit gave me when he said to me that our Christian message, our Christian witness becomes confusing, misleading, and hypocritical when it's not clear. That's why we've got to be unified on this word. We don't want our Christian witness to be misleading, confusing, or hypocritical. So that's why we've got go to the standard the truth and guys the culture is constantly changing we know that but the core Christian message never changes Amen. never Hebrews 13 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever so he doesn't change now I'm not going to get too deep into this next part but there are some other Alternate worldviews out there. I would encourage y'all to educate yourselves on this. But you need to know about things like postmodernism, secularism, Marxism, New Age philosophies. You need to know what those look like because they are out there and they're rampant, and you need to know so that you can not only guard yourself but guard your children, your grandchildren. Be aware of what they are learning in school. Be aware of what they are watching on TV. Be aware of what they are seeing on the computer. Be aware. Colossians 2.8. It says this. Don't let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of on what Christ has said. Now other versions of this scripture say let no one take you captive. When you are deceived and you are believing a lie then you are being held captive. Lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom. We need to believe the truth and not be held captive by the lie. We cannot afford to build our lives on men's thoughts and on men's ideas. Let's not build our life on anything but what Christ has said. That is where we need to build our lives. And as we get ready to close, let's finish with one of the parables. The parable of the wise and the foolish builder. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. And it says, Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine, of course, this is Jesus speaking and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fail. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So as we stand today, I want to ask you another question. What foundation have you built your life on? What foundation have you built your life upon? Will your foundation stand when the storms of life come? Or will your life be shaken? And will your life fall with a great crash? We need to know the answer to that question. So as you bow your heads... I want to tell you that the foundation that you choose will not only affect this life but your life after death. There is a real heaven. There is a real hell. And you need to know that God has made a way by sending His Son Jesus to die for you and for me. And then He rose again. He conquered death hell, and the grave. We just celebrated that. If you want to build your life on Jesus Christ, who is the rock, and he won't be moved, it's very simple. All you have to do is pray. And we're going to say this prayer all together. And if that's something you want to do today, I encourage you to do that to build your life on Jesus Christ. If you'll repeat after me, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And if you did that, you have just made the best decision of your life. And we congratulate you on that decision. And we want to know If you made that decision. So if you're watching us online, please, please click on that online connect card. Let us know. If you're here in service, please come talk to me after service. We want to make sure that we help you as you build your life on the rock. Jesus Christ. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.